Well, amen. I'll tell you what, we're going to mess around and have church. What a sweet, sweet spirit in this place this morning. So thankful for the presence of God. That's what matters. That's what makes all the difference. See, folks, if I don't show up, it's not going to be that big a deal. But if he don't show up, it's a really big deal. <laughs> so um, I'm thankful today that he's met with us in our time of worship. And um, it's already been good to be in the house of the Lord. Take your Bibles, please. Turn with me to Psalm 127 is what we're going to be looking at today. We are blessed here at Mount Zion, extremely blessed. We're blessed in a lot of different ways, but one of our greatest blessings that I know of um, is our children. And folks, I want you to know that um, I'm thankful for what God has done in our past. How about you? I can look back over what we've seen God do over the last 18 years, and man, it's been an amazing thing. We're so very thankful for that. I'm glad that um, uh, hearts and lives have been changed. I'm glad that our church has grown, uh, not only spiritually, but in number. That's our main goal, is to grow spiritually, is to become better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about. And then the growth in number follows that. So I'm thankful for what we've seen in our, God do in our past. I'm thankful for what I am seeing God do in our present. I, I'm seeing people excited about their faith, growing in the Lord, taking the Word of God and applying it to their life and being what God wants them to be by the power of God. And that's all a very special, very powerful thing. So I, I'm, I'm excited about what I'm seeing right now, but I'm also looking forward in faith to what God is going to do in our future. How about you? See, I still believe God wants to do a great work right here in our midst. I still believe that God wants to do a great work right here in our community. I still believe that He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. And He does that by the power that works in us, according to Ephesians 20. I still believe all that. I still believe that God um, wants to cause us to make a difference for His kingdom wherever we are. And so uh, I'm glad to know this morning that God is still at work right here in our church, and we praise Him for that, looking forward to what He's going to do uh, in our future. I was sitting around um, the campfire this past Friday night, and I was just uh, watching these kids all over the hillside everywhere here. And I thought, man, that is our future. If you want to know what your future looks like, look to the children. I know that it may be cliched, and you've heard it from time to time. The children are our future. Folks, it, it may be a cliche, but it's absolutely the truth. If we want a blessed future, how many know we got to raise up some kids that are going to be a blessing? If we want a bright future, we've got to raise up some kids that are going to be a shining light in the dark world that we're living in. If we want a strong future, we've got to raise up a strong believer, and that starts in our home and certainly in our church. We've been blessed with a great blessing around here, and, and when you see all the kids that are running everywhere like I saw Friday night and like we see on a weekly basis, we praise God for that and we realize that great blessing we have, but let me tell you something else. With that comes great responsibility, amazing responsibility. With that comes, listen, the opportunity for us to speak into the lives of those children, for us to begin when they're this big, shaping their idea of who God is according to the truth of the Word of God. Do you realize that, Sunday school teachers? 
Do you realize what a responsibility, what a privilege, what an opportunity you have to shape the minds of these babies by the word of God, teaching them who Christ is? I'm telling you, that makes all the difference. And so um, this morning, I want to preach to you from Psalm 127 because in Psalm 127, the Bible tells us how we can build a bright future, how we can build a, 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 folks, a blessed future, how our future can be what God wants it to be according to how we raise up our kids. The Bible gives us very practical application of what it means to be a good parent, to be a good father, mother, as we raise up these great blessings that we've been given. I love um, reading the writings of Frederick Douglass. Frederick, Frederick Douglass is a well-known abol abolitionist and statesman from years gone by. Listen to what he said when talking about um, the importance of raising up our children in the right way. It said it is easier to build a strong child than it is to repair a broken man. Isn't that the truth? Folks, I want to tell you something. Our kids are going to face problems. Our kids going to face temptations, but what I don't want to do is wait until they fall to the temptation and are in the midst of a problem and try to drag them out of it. What we must do as husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, and as a church body is prepare them for the temptation they're going to face. Give them answers for the problems that are sometimes going to plague their life as they live in a fallen creation so that when they face these things, they know how to walk through it still having their faith intact, still serving Jesus, even in the midst of problems, still serving Jesus, even in the midst of a dark world, still serving Jesus when nobody else wants to serve Jesus. So we've got to build strong children. I don't want to repair broken men and women. Now, as part of it is repairing broken men and women, and, and, and listen, we have to do that from time to time, but if we can start when they're this big, it makes all the difference when they get this big uh, in how they follow the Lord. So I love what Frederick Douglass said. Let me give you another quote by someone that we all know and love, uh, Billy Graham. Billy Graham once said, The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or material things. I like that. <laughs> because a lot of times that's how we view things in this world. We view how much of a success we are by the things we have, by the things we can leave. But he says the greatest legacy that we can leave to our children and grandchildren is not the things we accumulate or the money we have, but listen, it's a legacy of character and faith. Man, he said a mouthful. See, character for the believer is simply us living out what we say we believe. Someone else once said that children are imitators, so we are to give them something worth imitating. I've heard it said that children are like wet cement. They uh, take the form of whatever falls on them. And that's right. So we've got to be careful what we're doing, how we're living, because most of what happens in a, life, in a child's life, most of what they learn, to do it's not it's not taught by us with our lips but it's caught by them how we live our lives it's not taught it's caught as they simply imitate who we are and what we do so we see that great responsibility we have yes it's a great blessing oh but listen uh, with that blessing comes responsibility 
I'm thankful that we have the Word of God to instruct us how to do what God has called us to do. And I'm thankful we have the precious power of God that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit that enables us to do what the Word says. Because if not for that, I certainly can't be the father God's called me to be. You can't be the father God's called you to be or the mother or the husband or the wife. So this morning what I'm praying for is that we get a hold of truth from the word of God and that coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we might be what God wants as parents so that we can raise up children that are a blessing to others that are lights in this dark world. We're going to talk this morning how to build the future, and we build the future by building godly kids that the Lord is pleased with. The Bible describes it as an archer shooting arrows right here in Psalm 127. Psalm 127, let's look together starting in verse number one. Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you rise up early to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse three, lo children are an heritage from the Lord. Your translation may say a blessing from the Lord because that's what the word heritage means. How many of you know your kids are a blessing, like I've said? Our kids that we have right here are a blessing to us, are a blessing straight from God, straight to us. And man, I'm thankful for them. The Bible says, they are, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Verse four, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Let's pray together before we look into this truth. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for who you are, for what you've done. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us the blessing of children. I'm thankful for all these kids that we have uh, here in this church family and this body of believers and Lord I'm asking that you give us direction from your word this morning as to what you want us to be and do as far as our children are concerned. Lord, I'm praying by your power that you awaken within us a right spirit to deal with our kids day by day, not just on Sunday in the church house, but at Monday on our house. I'm praying, Holy Spirit, that you do the work necessary so that we might live out our faith, so that you might fill us up and pour us out into the lives of our kids. That's only by your power that it's going to happen. It's only by your presence, Holy Spirit, that that's going to take place. So we're asking this morning, Lord, to do your work among your people, to speak truth that makes a difference in the lives of the people that are in this sanctuary or watching us online so that you may receive honor and glory for it all, for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for your sake, amen. There's three things that I want us to see here from Psalm 127 about the arrows being shot from the archer or how we are to raise children that the Lord can use and is pleased with. The Bible says, first of all, in verse number four, that the arrows are in the hand of a mighty man. Now, if you're going to be a good archer that shoots straight, then you've got to be strong is what the Bible is saying. So the first point that I want to make to you is father's uh, listen, mothers, as we're raising up our children to shoot them out into the world so that they might make a difference, we got to be strong. Now, he's not necessarily talking about physical.
physical strength here. Nothing wrong with being physical, physically strong, but he's talking about something much deeper, something much more powerful. Here he's talking about spiritual strength. He's talking about a strength that comes from knowing the Lord. Because how many of you know, we can never ever be what God has called us to be as fathers or as mothers raising up our children without his strength. We can't. I can't do this in my ability. As a matter of fact, I've come to find out one of the hardest things in my life is being a good dad. It's difficult. I'm telling you, it's difficult to be a good man. It really is. Because you're faced with so much in this world that will draw you away from the things of God. We're tempted and we're tried. We're tested daily by the world, by the flesh, and by the devil. It's difficult to be a good man. How many of you know it's difficult to be a good husband? I've told you before. Listen, when the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 25 that I'm supposed to love my wife as Christ loves the church, folks, I'm going to tell you something. By my own human ability, that's absolutely impossible. If all I have to draw from is my ability and my power, I'm never going to accomplish loving my wife as Christ loves the church. His love is too high. His love is too holy. His love is too great for me to accomplish in my own power. It's difficult to be a good man, to be a good husband, but let me tell you the most difficult thing in the world in which we live in, being a good dad. That's the most difficult. Man, it's tough. Now, I, my three greatest blessings call me daddy, but I'm telling you, that with that blessing of a father, I see the difficulty of raising up children that God is pleased with because you've got to do some things a lot of times you don't want to do. You've got to make some decisions that are not popular. You've got to do things that, listen to me, sometimes break your heart and break your kid's heart. And that's tough. It's difficult being a good dad. So what we need is the strength that only the Lord can give. Keep your place there in Psalm 127. And look with me over to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And look down with me please this morning at verse number 10. Turn in your Bibles. I want you to see in your Bibles what God's Word says. If you don't have your Bible, look to the screen. Uh, but take notes, man. Write down these scriptures and go back later and see what God has for you. Let God the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Now look what it says here, Ephesians 6 and verse number 10. The Apostle Paul is talking about the spiritual warfare that we're all in. And he says something in verse 10 that is very important for every believer. He tells us about uh, true strength. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Where does our strength come from as children of God? Our strength comes from the Lord is what he's saying. True strength comes from the Lord and in the power of his might. True strength comes from God's power. Listen to me now. His power comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit and his presence Listen to me now, is in God the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you. So he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. True power comes from the Lord. Listen, that power is because of his presence. His presence is in the person of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of every believer. Now you can be a good dad. 
a godly father. A father that God is pleased with and your children need. You can be a good mama. A godly mama that, listen, God is pleased with and your children need. But if we're all going to be that, we ought to do it according to his power. If you believe it, say amen. Now, let me tell you how you get his power. First and foremost, you've got to know him personally as Savior. See, a lot of cool things happen when we get saved. When we come to the place that we realize we're lost and undone by the convicting power of the Lord, God begins to show you how much you need him, how hopeless and helpless you are without Jesus. Has that ever happened for you? Because I remember when it happened for me. God convicted my heart and he showed me my sinfulness. I love the old hymn song, Amazing Grace. It says that God's amazing grace first taught my heart to fear. I began to see how lost I was, how hopeless and helpless I was without Jesus. How I had offended God and rebelled against Him. God showed me I needed a Savior. And in that moment, listen, I called upon the Lord and just what the Bible says happened. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Praise God. It made a difference in me. Now the Bible says when I trusted in Jesus that my sins were forgiven. Not because of who I am or what I've done, but because of who he is and what he done at the cross by shedding his blood. The Bible says that when I, listen, trusted in Christ, my name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. How many of you are thankful that if you're a believer this morning, you've missed hell and gained heaven? Well, three of us are. How many of you are thankful this morning that because you've trusted in Jesus, you've missed hell and gained heaven? Yeah, me too. I've got the hope for a better tomorrow because of my faith in Christ. Let me tell you what else the Bible teaches, though. Not only were, were my sins forgiven, not only uh, was my name written on the lands of my life, but the Bible also says that I was indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 that we are all baptized into one body by one spirit. God, the Holy Spirit, has set up residence within my heart and life. And that happened at the moment of conversion. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says that we are the temple of God. We are where God dwells. Think about that. God. The same God who in Genesis 1.1 spoke light from darkness. The same God whom the Bible says in Psalm 147 spoke the stars into the heavens and gave them all names. The same God who split seas and raised up dead people, listen to me now, healed blinded eyes and deaf ears. The same God who walked on water lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he's not changed. He has the same power that he's always had. And it's by his power, according to his presence, because of the person, the Holy Spirit, that we are able to be what God wants us to be. We need some strong daddies. We need some strong mamas. But if we're going to get strong, it's not going to be because of our physical strength, but the strength that comes from God himself. Do you know Jesus? See, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't love Jesus, if you don't serve Jesus, you don't really know how to love your kids. You say, oh, brother, no, wait a minute. I love my kids. You don't know how to love your kids if you don't know Jesus, I'm telling you. The Bible says in Romans 5, 5 that the love of God 
has been shed abroad in our hearts as believers. I'm telling you, when you know the love of God, you know the love of God. But until you know the love of God, you can't show it. So, first and foremost, we've got to be strong in the power of his might. The archer must be strong. Let me tell you something else. The arrows must be straight. <laughs> Amen? They've got to be straight. Let me tell you what I found out. Children do not come here as straight arrows. Just like twigs are not straight arrows, are they? Sticks that you go out and pick up on the ground, they're not straight arrows. Let's, let, let me tell you what has to, has to happen. If you're going to be effective with your, with your bow and arrow, you've got to shape those sticks, those twigs, whatever the case may be, and you've got to sharpen those arrows if you're ever going to be effective in shooting straight. And that's really the picture that God's given us here. What he's saying is, as a strong archer, you've got to have straight arrows. But listen, you just don't go out and pick up a stick and it'd be straight. Listen to me, folks. Children by nature are not straight arrows. They're not. That is our job, fathers and mothers. I always start with fathers because that's where God starts. That's where God starts. Now, don't get me wrong. Praise God for mamas. I love mama. I love my mama. I'm a mama's boy. I, I, I'm, I'm unashamedly a mama's boy. It's okay to be a mama's boy. So, so I love my mother, but I realize as a father, the, the buck stops with me. I realize according to the word of God, God has given me headship in the family. And with that headship, again, comes great responsibility. And one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how I've led my family to him. And so that's a sobering thought when I think about it. It scares me to death, really, that I'm going to give an account for how I raised my children, how I was a husband to my wife, how I made decisions in my home that ported my family to Jesus. Let me tell you something, daddies. You need to understand. It's not your wife's responsibility to drag you out of bed on a Sunday morning to get you to church. It's not. Let, let, let me tell you what gets me. Men are passionate about a lot of things. And I, I, I like that. I like passion. If you're not going to be passionate about something, then why do you do it? Right? I'm kind of one of those all in or all out kind of guys. I mean, if I, if I can't go all in and really do something, I don't even want to mess with it. So I understand passion. I know what passion looks like. Let, let me tell you what I, what I know about passion, what I see when I look in, in men's lives and sometimes in my life. I, I am so passionate about deer hunting. Let me tell you what I'll do in a few weeks. In a few weeks, I'm going to get out when it's about 15 degrees. And I'm going to go about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning out to the woods somewhere and climb 30 feet up in a tree to make sure I can see Bambi. And if I do see Bambi, I'm going to do everything I can uh, to kill Bambi and bring dinner home for the family. I, I mean, I love to deer hunt. I'm passionate about it. I'm so passionate, I'll freeze to death in a tree all day long to try and kill Bambi. I, I love football. Anybody else love football? Praise God. If you don't love Alabama football, get up in this altar and get your heart right we're, we're, doing, we're doing everything we can around here 
to, to raise up men and women of God, but, and that's not a prerequisite, but it's close. So if you don't like Bama, get your heart right. So I'm just saying, I love Alabama football. Let me tell you what I did yesterday. I sat in my living room. I didn't pull out my Alabama jersey because I was tired from the camp out before, but usually I dress for the ball game, brothers and sisters. I remember when Alabama played in 2009 in, their, um, in the national championship game, my wife had bought for me that Christmas a uh, Trent Richardson jersey. And I had that thing on, sitting with my Alabama jersey on, some Alabama uh, windsuit pants on, sitting in my living room in front of the TV, just slobbering at the mouth, ready for that ball game to start. And my wife walked up to me and said, Honey, you know you ain't playing today, don't you? I was passionate about it. It's passionate about it. Not, nothing wrong with being passionate about life. Live life. Enjoy life. That's a good thing. Not a bad thing. To a degree. But we're all passionate about stuff. Ladies, y'all are passionate about Black Friday sales. Most of y'all know my wife is. Now, I'm not against that. She saves a lot of money at Black Friday sales. Matter of fact, most of them are online this year. She's already been grumbling about that, telling me how she don't like it, that she can't go out and do the Black Friday thing that she always does. She's been online shopping all week, and she saves us a lot of money doing that, but she's passionate about getting good things, nice things for her family. That's a good thing. Matter of fact, Miss Brandy has actually slept in the car in the parking lot of stores to get the best deal the next morning. It's happened many times. One time I went with her. One time. <laughs> it cured me of the habit. When you've got old ladies at Walmart throwing forearms for towels, I'm out. I was about to lose my ministry over a towel at Walmart. I was like, can't do this. I'm just saying it's good to be passionate about things that you love. Nothing wrong with that. Let me tell you what is wrong. When you are so passionate about killing Bambi on Saturday morning that you'll wake up at 4.30 in the morning in the freezing cold weather to climb 30 feet up a tree and sit there all day looking to kill that deer, but you're not passionate enough on Sunday morning and your wife has to drag you out of bed to get you to church and beg you to come, something's wrong. When you can sit in your living room and scream at the TV over a football game that means nothing in the grand scheme of things, when you'll yell to the top of your lungs, cheering on your favorite team on Saturday night, but you sound like a church mouse when we sing and worship on Sunday morning and you don't feel the need to praise the Savior who died for you, then we got a problem. When you'll stay up all night and sleep in the parking lot to find the best deal on Black Friday, but you can't drag yourself out of bed to get to church on Sunday, then we got a problem. And guess what? Your kids see that. Well, some of y'all will go to work if you're, listen to me. Some people will not come to church if they have a hangnail on their left pinky toe. Brother Israel, my, my pinky toes is killing me. I call them up. How y'all doing, man? Been missing you for a few Sundays. Well, brothers, you know how things are. I, I stubbed my pinky toe walking out of my bedroom, and I got a big hangnail. It's just killing me. I can't make it. Now, you won't come to church for the hangnail on Sunday morning, but if your left arm was cut off at the elbow, you'd make it to work on Monday morning. 
Nothing wrong about being passionate about your work. That's a good thing. You need to work hard. But do you see the problem? Well, if you see it clearly this morning, guess what? Your kids see it too. They see what is a priority in your life. They do. And if you're going to shape and sharpen them youngins so that they may be um, a blessing to others in the future, so that we might have a bright future, amen, so that they might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. Listen, you need to start making your priority God's priority. Whatever God's priority is for your life, that needs to be what you put first. We gotta do it, folks. The stakes are too high. Now, how are we gonna do it? You say, brother, how do we do that? Well, God's word tells us, tells us plainly. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, again, chapter number six. We looked there just a moment ago. But watch this right now. I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4. He says, and you fathers, again, he starts with daddies. He said, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't provoke them to wrath. How do you provoke your kids to wrath? How do you get your kids to a place where they really don't care what you say and they don't recognize your authority in their life. Because that's really what that's talking about. When you provoke them to anger to a certain point. How, how do you get to that place? Well, I'll tell you just a few ways. First of all, when you begin comparing one child to another. How many know all kids are different? Every one of them is different. I, I've raised, uh, or trying to raise three of them. And they live in the same house with the same rules. I try to love them all the same. And they're as different as daylight and dark. They got different personalities, different likes and dislikes, different strengths and different weaknesses. They're just different. But I've come to find out I can't compare one to the other because of those differences. I've got to let each one be who they are. And when you start comparing one to the other or you start preferring one before the other, oh my, oh, oh Lord, folks. Not, not only will you hurt their relationship with each other, you will kill your relationship with them, mamas and daddies. You will. You don't believe me? Go back and read what happened to Jacob and his sons. Jacob had a boy named Joseph that he loved more than all the rest of the kids, and he showed it, and he compared all the other kids to Joseph. And guess what happened? His siblings hated him so much that they beat him up, threw him in a pit, stripped him of his clothes, and sold him into slavery. And there was turmoil in that family from then on. And it all started because that father provoked those kids to wrath. You can do it by preferring one child over the other. Let me tell you how else you can do it. You can do it by comparing, listen to me, your children now to who you used to be. You say, brother, what do you mean by that? Well, all of us have a warped idea of who we used to be. All of us know about the good old days. Right? Now, what we believe about the good old days usually ain't true. We look back at the good old days when we played ball or when we went to school and we made the good grades and we caught the touchdown and we hit the home run and we were the head cheerleader or this or that or whatever and we talk about how things were when we were their age. But when we look back, 
things are a lot different than what they seem. And we sometimes completely discredit what our children do now and the victories they have now by comparing them to a warped sense of who we used to be. I'm a much better football player now than I really was. To hear me tell it now, I can do some stuff that I used to do some stuff that I'm not really sure if I really did. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So, so you've got to be careful with that. Don't provoke them to wrath. But he tells us what we should do. He says, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Two, two words I want to give you here. And the two words I want to give you are for nurture and admonition. The word nurture actually means discipline. So he says, if we're going to raise them up we, in a right way, in a way that's pleasing to the Lord, we must discipline them. We must discipline them. We've got to show them what's right and what's wrong. Now, I know what you're saying, Brother Israel. I, I mean, listen, it's 2020, and, and I just don't think that we ought to whip our children. Nobody has to tell me that you don't believe you don't whip in your children. I can see your children. Right? Now, now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about correction. I'm not talking about hurting a child. I'm talking about helping a child. I'm not talking about injuring a child. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm talking about correcting him in the way or her the way she should go so that she might be a blessing later on. I never understood discipline when I was young but man I'm so thankful for it now that I'm old my dad believed in discipline and correcting my wrongs and folks I always knew he loved me and now I surely know he loves me because I'm a father and I can remember him saying stuff like this son this hurts me a whole lot more and it's going to hurt you, but i got to do it. And he would explain to me why he's doing it. And I always thought, Dad, if that's the truth, you're not going to make it through this session of discipline. <laughs> I mean, he got my attention. He would. He had to. He had three boys. And so, now that I'm a dad, I understand completely what he's talking about. It breaks my heart. To have to discipline my kids, to show a little tough love. But I understand the importance of it. I know that if I really love them, that's what I gotta do. The Bible says, He who spares the rod hates his son. I know you've heard it said, He who spares the rod spoils the trial. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, He who spares the rod hates his son. Folks, listen, you've got to do those things. Discipline, but now the next thing, that's nurture. But then it says in the admonition, that speaks of direction. What am I talking about? Direction is the teaching of the Word of God. Now, let me tell you why we do everything we do right here at Mount Zion. Let me tell you why we've got Sunday school and services like this morning that you're sitting in and small groups that we have on Sunday night or Wednesday night Bible study or, we even, or even the things like we did this weekend, fellowshipping one with another right here at the family camp out. Why do we do all this thing? We do all of these things for the purpose of direction according to the Word of God. That's our whole goal. We want to take God's Word and make it real in our life. 
So how important is it that you keep your family under the teaching and preaching of the Word of God? Let, let me tell you something, moms and daddies. Them babies need to be in Sunday school. You need to be in Sunday school. Because what you're getting is direction, admonition from the Word of God. You need to be in worship service. Because what you're getting is direction, admonition from the Word of God. You need to take part in all of these things that we're trying to facilitate so that you might be what you, God's called you to be, what your kids need you to be. We all need this stuff. You need the church and the church needs you. We grow together. Now that don't just happen at church, but it certainly should happen as you make church already in your family's life. Discipline, direction, nurture, and admonition is how you bring these babies up. Amen? Oh, we got to do it. We got to do it. That's how we sharpen them. That's how we shape them. I'll tell you something else. The archer has to be strong. The arrows have to be straight. And the archer has to shoot straight. What is our plans for these Warriors in the kingdom, these soldiers that we're raising up to battle the force of the force of the enemy. What, what what is our plan for it? Well, the Bible tells us. Go back, look back at Psalm 127, verse number five. Happy is the man who's got his quiver full of kids, like's being spoken of here. Kids that have been shaped and sharpened. By a strong archer. Happy is he. Why? What's the kids do? They shall not be ashamed. They ain't going to be ashamed of who they are. What they believe in. Do you know we need that more than ever? Folks, we're facing persecution in this nation against the church that I never dreamed we would face. How many of y'all think that's going to get better or worse? I don't care what happens November 4th. I don't care what happens in the next year, two years, three years. That's not going to get better. That's going to get worse. If there's ever been a time that we're going to need children today to be what God wants them to be in the future, it's right now. Because we've got a future where they're going to face some stuff we've never faced. We need men, women, boys, and girls ready to stand up, speak up, until we are called up by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he says, if you've got your, your quiver full, you're going to be happy with kids like these because they're not ashamed of who they are and what they believe in. They know what they believe in. They're ready to stand for it. That's a good thing. Then he says this, for they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. I love that. He says, when these kids that have grown up this way, when mom and dad loved them enough to bring them up in the nursery and admonition of the Lord, when they've loved them enough to do the hard things when it wasn't popular, when they've loved enough to be faithful to the things of God, as you train up these children, they're going to make a difference. Not only in your home, but with the enemy in the gate. Praise God. Isn't that a great promise? That's a great promise. I love that. I'm claiming that. I'm believing that. You ought to do the same thing. Let me give you three things that I want to help you with. I want to help you with this. First of all, start early with them kids. Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child. 
Start just as soon as you can. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he won't depart from it. Start early training them babies up. Start early praying with them around the dinner table and praying before they go to sleep at night. Praying with them about a test at school. Start early getting in the word of God together as God leads and you see fit. Start early making sure they know the importance of being plugged into their local church family. Start early. We've got to start early, but let me tell you something else we need to do. We need to be encouraging. Be encouraging. You can always find something your kid's going to do wrong. They're going to do some wrong. But let me tell you what you can do. If you look, I promise you, you'll find something they do right. Spend more time on the right than you do the wrong. Correct the wrong, yes, but spend some time on the right. I got a little girl who's a lot like her daddy in the morning. She likes to sleep when she wants to sleep. And whenever she went back to school this second nine weeks, she's been doing virtual up to then, and the second nine weeks she decided to go back. And I sat her down. I said, honey, now listen to me. If you're going to go back to school, I don't want you leaving out of the house at 740, running 150 on the way to the school so you won't be late when you get there. You've got to get up early because not only are you in the car, but your little brother's in the car. And I'm, I'm, I, listen, there's a lot in that car that I love. So you've got to be careful. You've got to get up early. Well, guess what? Every morning, that kid's been getting up at 715 and ready to go out the door at 730. Praise God. You say, brother, is that really a big deal? That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Maybe she's learning a little something. Right? So you know what I did? I sat her down the other night, and I hugged her up close, and I said, girl, I am so stinking proud of you. She said, why, daddy? I said, because you've been getting up and being ready at 7.15. She said, what? Look for things they do right and make a, make a big deal of it. Encourage them. Correct the wrong, but encourage the right. Let me give you something else. Be creative. Be creative. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6. Brothers, if you will, please put this on the screen for me. Watch what the Bible says right here. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 6 and 7. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know what he's saying? Be creative and start interjecting the word of God and the doctrines of Scripture into your children's life day by day, not just in settings like this. But look for opportunities and be creative to teach them about God and his truth. In your day-to-day -day living. Great place to do that is around the dinner table. Hey, ask them questions. Discuss current events. What God says about it and what God don't say about it. Be creative in how you speak this truth that's in your heart as you're walking by the way or sitting in your house when you lie down and when you get up. Pray for that. Lord, give me some direction be creative today and talking to my kids about who you are. Oh, it makes all the difference. Start early. Start early. Listen, be creative. Be encouragers. And if we do these things, we do these things, folks, I'm telling you, we can make a huge difference, not only today in our family with our children, but in our future. Amen? Y'all believe it? 
I believe it too. And he said, brothers, well, I've tried to do that, and some of mine still making some terrible decisions, some terrible choices. Guess what? Sometimes we're shooting at moving targets. We have a shifting culture that is controlled by emotion rather than the standard of truth. And so from time to time, even when we do all we can do, our kids make decisions that are not pleasing. That doesn't mean God don't love you or them. That doesn't mean you wasn't a good father or mother. That simply means we live in a fallen creation. All we can do is what God's told us to do. And I'm claiming his promise that he's going to keep up his end of the bargain. You do the same. You do the same. There is a story of Samuel's mother. For those of you who don't know Samuel, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. And God used Samuel to really lead the nation of Israel, spiritually speaking. Did a great job in, in what God had called him to do. But the Bible says in the, the book of 1 Samuel that whenever Samuel was born, that his mother gave him to the Lord. Watch. I just want to share this real quick. 1 Samuel chapter number 1. Verse number 27 and verse 28. She says, For this child I have prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. Let me give it to you in the, in the Amplified Version. Therefore I have given him unto the Lord. I love this because truly what happens is God gives us our children for a little while. So that we can teach them, train them and sharpen them and then we give them back to him. Amen? That's what this woman is doing. She says, Lord, I'm, I'm giving him to you. As long as he lives, he's going to be yours, Lord. And they worshiped the Lord there together. Wow. This morning, we've got a baby girl that these parents want to do the same thing. They want to dedicate this baby to the Lord. Isn't that good? That's exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Been looking forward to it all week. Um, it's good to see mamas and daddies make the serving the Lord a priority and starting this big, raising them babies up. That excites me as a pastor. Now, nothing we do here this morning, nothing we do, is going to have any bearing on this child's relationship with Jesus. You need to understand that. Because our relationship to Jesus is a personal decision we make. And the only way any of us are born again is if we trust in Christ for the forgiveness of our sin and do what the Bible says, obey the gospel. Uh, God has no children. Nobody's grandfathered into the faith. Just because my dad was a man of God doesn't mean I'm going to be a man of God. That's a personal decision I have to make. And that's a personal decision little Bristol's going to have to make when the time comes. But what we're doing this morning, we are dedicating ourselves, not only just her mama and her daddy, but this church body. We're dedicating ourselves to the Lord and say, God, we're going to do everything we can to point this child to you.
We realize you've given her to us so that we might give her back to you. Amen? Come on up, guys. We do it two ways. By making commitment and by praying. So guys, I'm asking you to make a commitment. First of all, as Bristol's mother and father, will you do your part as God gives you power to raise her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? Are you going to make the study of the Word of God a priority in your life? Are you going to make application of God's Word to yourself so that you might be the mom and daddy that God has called you to be? Will you do those things? You're making that commitment. Let me ask you something. As a body of believers, are we making the commitment to do what we can to teach this baby what she needs to know according to the Word of God? If you'll do that, say amen. amen. Are we going to pray for her and for this mom and daddy that they might be what God wants them to be? Will you be that? Will you do that? Amen. Listen, are we going to take God's Word at what it says and apply it to our lives? individually and collectively because we realize these little ones are looking to us. Will you do that? Amen. Commitment. Let me tell you something else we're going to do. We're going to pray about it. We're going to put it in God's hands. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to ask my deacons, the elders of the church, to come forward first. Deacons, you come. <clears throat> we're going to ask y'all guys, just, just sit in these chairs right here and we're going to we're going to pray over you and pray for you. Anybody else who would like to come and gather in this altar, we're going to pray for this family right quick today. Come on up. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for the blessing of this new family who's come to be a part of this fellowship. Lord, we love them. We know that you love them. We're thankful that you've brought them our way. We're asking, Lord, that you would use them to accomplish your purpose and your plan right, who, right here through this ministry. We're asking that you bless this father. Uh, that, Lord, you would give Tyler wisdom to know what to do and when to do it, what to say and when to say it. But we pray that you strengthen him by your power, Holy Spirit, so that he might stand even when times are tough, when he has to make hard decisions, but it's the best decision. Give him the strength to do that. God, we're asking that you uh, would just work on him, work in him, and work through him, fill him up, pour him out in the life of his family, and Lord, help him to be a father that teaches his daughter what a man looks like. Help him to be a father who teaches his daughter what a godly husband he is. Help him, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name you would do your work in his life. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Lord, we come to you right now and I want to thank you for Cassidy. Thank you, Lord, that I, I see the love she has for this little one. And Lord, how special that is. There's nothing more special than the love of a godly mama. And Lord, I'm just asking you right now that you would continually work on her, work in her, and work through her so that she might be a mama that you're pleased with and this baby needs. 
Lord, help her to nurture and admonition, uh, and to nurture her, her, her baby and bring her up in the admonition of you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help her to discipline and direct. And God, I pray that you would bless this family like only you can do. For these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Let me tell you what my chief goal is. You say, well, brothers, your chief goal is probably to be a good pastor. And I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good pastor to you. I want to love you. I want to be there for you. I want to allow God to work on me, work in me, work through me, to use me to do what he wants in your life. I want that. You say, brother, but that's not my chief goal. You say, well, it's to be a good preacher. And I hope that I can be a good preacher. I, I strive to be a good preacher. That's not my chief goal. Let me tell you what my chief goal with God listening in heaven. I believe it's scriptural. My chief goal, my chief goal is to sharp and to shapen my babies so that they might be what God wants them to be. I want to point them to Jesus in every way that I can. My chief goal is to be a husband to my wife that God is pleased with and she needs. Because if I fail at that, I can't say I've succeeded at anything else. And you know what? I'll be a better pastor if I'm a better father. And I'll be a better pastor if I'm a better husband. So folks, realize the blessing, but realize the responsibility. I'm not going to have a song of invitation this morning. Have you enjoyed being in the house of God today? I've enjoyed it too. I encourage you to remember Right after service today, we're eating over in the fellowship hall. Come be with us. You say, I didn't come prepared to stay, and I didn't bring nothing. Believe me, our ladies have plenty to eat. They're some good cooks, and I'm so thankful for them and their ministry and that. And they, they got plenty over there, so come be with us. Um, also remember, Wednesday night, we will be having trunk or treat here at the church. Um, that'll all start with Supper with the Saints at 6. And then we're going to try to start trunk or treat 6.30, 6.45, somewhere around in there. And um, so invite others to come with you. You know, there's a lot of people that will come to a trunk or treat that maybe won't come to a service. But when they come to that trunk or treat, we can love them. We can meet them. We can try to encourage them. We might invite them to come on back next Sunday and be a part of these services. So invite somebody to come with you Wednesday night. And I, I, I want to use this as an outreach to our community. So uh, let get the word out about it. Now, listen to me. When you do come Wednesday night, well, I want you to remember something. Everything we do, we want to honor the Lord. So when you're doing those trunks, you point people to Jesus through your decoration in those trunks. Okay? I know that Halloween's the scary season and this and that. And I'm going to have a superhero uh, that's going to dress up in my house. And uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to dress up at yet, as, as yet, but we'll do something. Maybe an underpaid state worker since I've just be coming from work, but <laughs> may try that one, all right? But uh, that, that'll be Wednesday evening, so just remember, though, hey, let's honor the Lord in everything we do. It's a great way that we can reach out to our community, so let's do that. Um, that's going to happen 6.30 Wednesday. Today, before we leave, I want to take up a special offering for Jocelyn James and her ministry. Many of you know Jocelyn James. She, uh, um, the Place of Grace, I think, is, is the name of her ministry, but she does a lot of work 
with, with uh, jails in Franklin County and in Marion County. She was in jail at Christmas time a few years ago, and uh, the Lord touched her heart. She was saved, and since then, the Lord's done a great work in her life. She started this ministry for people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And uh, every year since the Lord blessed her heart, she's been going back to the jail on Christmas time and spending Christmas with the inmates. That's amazing. You know why I want to support that? Jesus said, as you do unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And they all, he said, then they're going, everybody's going to come back to him and say, Lord, when did we see you? When were you this? When were you that? He said, when I was in the prison and you came and visited me, what you've done to the least of these, you've done unto me. That's what this sister is doing. And so I want to support that ministry. And if you'd like to support it, we're going to take up a special offering today and next Sunday morning. Let me give you something else. Trail Life is going to start in uh, the month of November. And so what we're trying to do is get funds raised for that, and we're doing a T-shirt fundraiser. Brother, do you have that on the screen uh, that you can put up? Um, and what we're going to be doing is selling the Love God, Love People shirts that some of you have asked about, some have been wanting. Uh, there's the picture of the shirt on the right, and you can also get hats on the left. You can get all kinds of different colors, and it's very, very simple to do. If I can do it, anybody can do it. All you got to do is go to that website at the bottom of that uh, um, that slide there, uh, www.shopgotees.com forward slash Mount Zion. You go in there, make your order, put in your credit card information or your debit card, and, uh, and you can order a T-shirt, hat, hoodies. They've got the winter-style hoodies. I know I'm going to get one of those. So whatever y'all would like to get on there, feel free to do it. And all of that that uh, we sell, we're making $13 off of every item, whether it be a T-shirt, hat, hoodie, whatever you decide to get. You can get all kinds of different colors too, man. Great way to do it. Brother Scotty fixed that up for us. I'm so thankful that he did. So um, remember to do that. If you don't have a smartphone or you don't have a way to order that, let us know. We'll order it for you, okay? And uh, all that's going to be sent to the church, and we'll start handing it out. Is there any questions? Any comments? Okay. Pastor preached yesterday for Miss Sharon and Pastor Israel. We want to let you know that we appreciate you. And um, I tell you what, me personally, your ministry has literally impacted my life, and and I, I I deeply appreciate you. Me and my family do. And and if his ministry has impacted you, could you just say Amen? Amen. Wow. Um, but as a token of our appreciation, we just wanted to give you a gift. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for all of you, man. Ever since God's put us here, we've been treated just like family. And we appreciate that. And that's how I see you. I see you as my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, thank you so much for all that you do. Baby, you got anything you want to say? Nothing? Yeah. All right, so thank you so much for this. Thank you for the dinner today. God's good. We've been blessed greatly. So thankful for all of you. And we're, we love you and we're praying for you. Any way we can help you, let us know. That's what we want to do. Anything else? Cole Reed, go to the back, get one of the uh, um, Cole and uh, Joey. Go to the back, Joey, and get one of those other uh, plates, offering plates. When you're going out, if you want to give your tithes and offerings, you're going to give them to Cole on the right. The other offering will be for uh, Jocelyn James and her ministry. The jail ministry that we're taking up for this Christmas, that's going to be on your left. Joey's got that offering.